How are you doing? Hey, Richard. I'm good. I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, Barbenheimer. Which one you, you saw? Which one first? Uh, well, of course, I saw Oppenheimer first. I wasn't going to see Barbie at all until you told me uh, that we should see it. That's this is the kind of movie that I would ordinarily avoid, <laughs> but. Um, I did see a lot of chatter online about it and a lot of, um, I mean, a lot of people are reading into it in different ways, coming up with different messages. And so I figured, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting sort of moment, uh, yeah. to, to analyze this piece of the, the culture. Yeah. Well, the Barbie, I mean, the, the, uh, you know, the, um, the promotion for Barbie was like any, unlike any other movie I've I can remember seeing. I mean, they opened was, Google. I don't know if they were still doing this, but for yeah. a while, if you go to the Google homepage, it was like pink and like little pink fireworks. And if you search for Barbie or Gosling or Margot Robbie, uh, I mean, that's, that, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. It wasn't that yeah, homepage, but yeah, I, I, like I Googled yeah. Barbie movie and everything was and, pink. And Michael Tracy had a thing where like he went, he walked into like a grocery store. They had all these like cakes and cupcakes, like all in like Barbie, uh, you know, Barbie flavor and you know, Barbie movie stuff. Uh, so it's, it was, it was everywhere. Um, they built like a giant mansion in, in LA or Malibu or something, uh, that got on the news that was all pink. And so it's, you know, this was going to be huge, uh, no matter what, because it's Barbie IP. Um, and then, yeah, Oppenheimer was also the same uh, week. It was also it was the same day release on July twenty first. It was also it was also huge, but not as big as uh, Barbie. I wanna... is that true? It did 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 Oppenheimer not not uh, do as well at the box office? I no, Barbie's been, Barbie. I mean, they both did like great. They were both like really huge smashes. But uh, Barbie outperformed Oppenheimer. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, it was uh, uh, it was you know it appeals it, to a wider audience. Oppenheimer is definitely like you know I, I could you know I, I don't know if th- is this a, is this a dual feature review but but Oppenheimer you know they did their best I think or Nolan and his team did their best to sort of you know hold the audience's hand to explain what was happening but I could tell like looking around people were sort of reaching the end of their patience and <laughs> that movie whereas Barbie you know anyone can understand you know seven year olds can understand Barbie so it kind of makes sense in a way in, in the same way that like country music is actually the most popular music in America because everyone of every age will listen to it. I think like Barbie has that kind of widespread appeal. Well, I mean, it's just girls. I mean, just the promotion, the promotion was amazing. So they, they said five days, Barbie crossed two, uh, 200 million and Oppenheimer crossed 100 million. Uh, so they were both oh, that uh, much more. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, a, yeah. it was the Barbie. I mean, the, the promotion of Oppenheimer didn't have that much promotion. I mean, it, there was an Oppenheimer cake and houses and, and so forth. I mean, it got some attention, but the Barbie thing was just like a cultural and Barbie, you know, girls, kids are going to go see Barbie. So, uh, yeah. Um, and I think we should, I mean, I think we should talk about Oppenheimer first, because I think that like, it's, uh, as I wrote in my review of Oppenheimer, it's so, it's, it insults Oppenheimer to put it in the same category with, with Barbie, um, just because they came out the same day. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think the Barbie movie was, was awful. I mean, you know, it could be good just because it was a, uh, just because it was a, um, uh, you know, just because it was a sort of silly subject doesn't mean that it could have been a you know, great piece of art, but it wasn't a good piece of art. It was just, it was just trash. Um, and the Oppenheimer movie was, was great. Um, you said that people in the theater were running out of patience. I, I saw it in like the middle of the day, like at 11 a.m. Uh, yesterday. Um, and so the, was the it theater. Full? No, no, I, oh. Barbie wasn't full either. I mean, I went to, uh, at the same, the same time, I went like 11 a.m. Like I, okay. I saw some it's and the it was like the local mall here, uh in LA in LA County and yeah, I mean the like there was, you know, twenty people or something. I mean it was mostly mostly completely empty. Um like 
What, what time did you go to these things? I mean, I went, I went to see Oppenheimer Saturday evening and then Barbie Sunday evening. And both times it was like, you know, probably, you know, 90% to hundred percent capacity. It was, both were full, um, you know, different, different, somewhat different demographic breakdown. I think Oppenheimer was probably skewed like 60, 70% male. And then the Barbie movie was sort of flipped where it was 60 to 7% female. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you, like all the women in their like pink, like, you know, whatever the, the outfits and yeah, it was, it was more of a phenomenon yeah, than, than, than Oppenheimer was. I didn't see anyone wearing like fedoras or, you know, there was nothing like that for, for Oppenheimer. Yeah. And I thought Oppenheimer, I thought it was brilliantly made. So you go into, you go into the film and it's like, you know, it's like Oppenheimer is studying, um, you know, in Cambridge and other places. And he, um, you know, you see him, he's, uh, First of all, they didn't do his childhood at all. I like that. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I think childhoods are sort of overrated. Uh, you know, they made people who they are. Yours was obviously very unique. But I think, like, most of the time, people just overrate. Oh, his mother, you know, looked it up funny once. And, and uh, you know, that explained his genius. I mean, it's just very, it's always like these things. Are That's always interesting. Like that. Yeah, so and, there's, no, um, there's no explanation for his genius or no. Well, I mean, I guess one thing they could have done with a childhood, you know, it's just like as a little kid, you know, showing show his uh, prodigy. Yeah. Show, you know, like, show. like doing math yeah. equations on his little, and like, I got, you know, you know what, and, and, and I picked up the audiobook of them, uh, uh, that it's based on, uh, American, uh, uh, Prometheus. Prometheus. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I listened to, um, you know, I listened to one hour out of 27 hours. So like 4% of it. Um, so like the introduction and the, like the starting with his childhood and it does, I mean, it does start with his childhood. So there is like at least one chapter that I'm reading that is honest. Just so like that was completely ignored. Anything interesting so far from that, um, uh, any glimpse he, into yeah, They were, they were, uh, you know, this, these Jews of the, uh, turn of the century, uh, you know, like late 1800s, early 1900s. I mean, they was were German, German Jewish. Yeah. Is that what yeah, his, okay. his family was, uh, you know, his dad, his dad, and he was born in the U S but his dad, his parents, his, uh, his mom's family was like second generation American. And his dad was, uh, I think his dad came over, uh, his dad came over or the granddad. It was, it was the, um, wasn't the dad or the granddad? Uh, I forget. It was, it was one of them. What did they uh, do? What were their jobs? Uh, like, what they, did his dad do they, for a living? He was uh, some kind of some kind of retail some kind of retail thing, you know, buying and selling clothes. And um, his mom was like some kind of painter or something, but like you know, really actually house, a housewife. Um, and you know, like the intellectual like sort of ferment of like this time was like you know fascinating. These people were accomplishing like amazing things. So like you know, like the entire American nuclear program. You see, they were they were basically all Jewish, like almost all of them, right? Um, and they were you know they were also like politically very active. Like you know, they actually were like a lot of socialists and communists. And you know, they they founded you know the the this community founded the uh, like the precursor to the ACLU. They founded the NAACP. I mean, so basically like the things that ended up shaping American culture in like every way. And so Oppenheimer was part of that. You know, the, the book is like, you know, his parents like were, you know, they were high investment parents. Like he would be interested in something like rocks or something and they would like buy him rocks or, or take him to, you know, whatever, looking for rocks. Uh, but like people, you know, he was just seen as brilliant from a uh, young age. And the way he's described is like brilliant and like shy, but like not like scared of people, like a quiet, like arrogance, like, a, you know, a belief that he's better than other people. And that comes through. Uh, that really does come through in the movie. That's attractive to women. That's why Oppenheimer was able to sleep with all of his oh, yeah. friends. He's a womanizer. <laughs> they even, they even yeah. describe him <laughs> as a womanizer. Uh, the Matt Damon character, the general, was, was that the one? One of them described him as a, oh no, he yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. When he was trying yeah. to recruit him, you know, they told me that you're an arrogant, womanizing, whatever. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. 
And, and did so he you divorce? Get these... No, no, no. He just had the one wife. Or no, did he? I did think... he have two wives? No, I think he had. I think he had. Um, uh, let's see, Oppenheimer. Uh, we just saw the film, so we should remember. I uh, know. Yeah, it was. It was just that one woman. I'm very confused. The one wife. Because... Yeah, but he probably okay. had. Well, they showed the one mistress, but um, you know, it sounded like he must have had a few more that they didn't depict in the movie. Yeah, they mentioned a yeah. few in passing. So they, there was that communist girl. Um, there was, uh, uh, and like they mentioned, like one of the scientists had turned against him because he had an affair with his wife in Caltech, and like he killed him with a broken heart. He's like, oh no, it was that that part is not true. He never found out. Uh, and so the, yeah, so the, you know, Oppenheimer was quite that, and his wife, I, even he got her. Uh, she was married at the time. Uh, remember, she, she was compl- she was uh, complaining about how she, she was yeah in her, in her marriage. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so yeah, and so you know, so you, you you start with Oppenheimer, and he's like he's studying, and it's like you can see the metaphor, right? It's like you know, the nuclear a nuclear blast is an ex- I think it's silent, and then it's the explosion. So you do get to like, would they actually do the nuclear blast? You sort of see that, but then you also see like sort of this, you know, this, uh, you know, this, these sort of waves of sound coming come through the theater, and you also get like these moments of like silence, which are just like I think really really powerful, right? And then you have like Oppenheimer's psychology. He's like laying in bed and sort of uh, you know losing his mind, and at the same time he's got this like you know, these psychological problems, and then at the same time. Like, you know, you're, you're actually in the literal, you know, the literal sort of, uh, you know, it's representing the literal physics, right? Uh, and this was, I thought, very cool. Like, what did you think of that? These, these effects are showing the first thing that you see. Well, do you mean like when they sort of, what, interspersed the scenes yeah. with like whatever, like images of, of atoms and like the, the very loud sound effects and the rumbling? And I, I think it was a little too much. I think it could have done with maybe 10% less of that. But I think it did, you know, it sort of created this this anticipation. I don't know if this was the intent, but it did. So, so you know, throughout the movie, you see it's sort of interspersed with these periods of like, you know, him sleeping or, or sort of tortured and thinking about this and whatever, like the rumbling and the atoms. And then by the time the actual, um, uh, the, the, the Trinity explosion occurs, it's just pure, and, and you're anticipating this is, oh, this is going to be loud. This is going to be intense. And it's just quiet. And I think that actually created uh, a stronger effect for that scene. Um, and, and then it sort of built up into that sort of loud, like vibrating sound. Um, and I saw it in IMAX too. So it was like a really nice effect, but yeah, early on, it was just like a lot, um, of that. And I think it could have done with a, a bit less. Um, but yeah, overall I thought that, uh, yeah, it was, it was well done. The, the final hour I thought dragged a little bit, um, where it, it was like, you know, like, like that final hour was just, um, who's it like Strauss. Um, you know, attempting to uh, uh, solely Oppenheimer's character. And it was just sort of that the black and white going back and forth between those two. And that to me was less interesting than Oppenheimer's life and the building of the bomb and the Manhattan project and the recruitment. And I don't know, like the last hour didn't really, it's like, I, I enjoyed it and I stayed with it, but it was just um, the, like the weakest part of the movie for me it was like him and, uh, and, and Strauss. Well, yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's like, the, so like, like two hours, he's basically, he's building, uh, the yeah, um, and like getting there, getting to that point, um, and then like last hour, it seems sort of like petty because it's um, it's like you know, it's like his like rivalry with with Strauss, which is not about like winning World War Two. It's just like him and you know him and Louis Strauss. So it's like, it's you know, just well, a like, sort of a reputational battle, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that's what makes it a biography. I mean, it's like that that like to him, 
right? Like that's our hu- that's a human's life, right? Like you do something important, and like oh, he he developed the atomic bomb this more thing, but like to him, like it's like his friends and his reputation and his marriage uh, and this guy trying to screw him over, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's what makes it a biography, right? That's why I, I, I like that you have both of that. You have the importance of the Manhattan Project and what was going on with the scientists. But then you also, I mean, it is called Oppenheimer. It's not called, you know, the, the, the atom bomb. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I just wasn't expecting that from the trailer and from the buildup of the movie and um, some of the, um, like, the interviews I read with Nolan. And, yeah, I just wasn't expecting so much of it to be about this... Um, like reputational attack and this well, sort of it, it was, it was back more, and forth. It was more than that though. It was, it was, it was a way to grapple with the effects of the bomb, like through Oppenheimer and through like the questions he, and his psychology, right? Like what he was doing. Right. Um, so it was, it was like, you know, he has, you know, they go back and they look back at his life and you, you know, you look at the earlier scenes of the movie and then you see it in like a new way when he's actually being uh, interrogated. Um, and then you see his activities sort of in a new way. And you look back at like how he was, and then you look at the testimony, you get the testimony of Teller and you get the uh, uh, testimony of uh, uh, Colonel Groves. And yeah, it's, um, you know, I think it was great. I think yeah, it, it does. It does provide different uh, perspectives on Oppenheimer as a character. And yeah, so it sort of flips back and forth between like, well, I guess like, ultimately it's all subjective, right? But like, I guess the, the colored scenes uh, of, of him working on the Manhattan Project, that's, that's sort of from Oppenheimer's perspective and it makes him look very good. And then, you know, from, from the accounts of, um, uh, of, of the Colonel and of uh, Strauss and everyone else, you sort of see a different, um, a different portrayal of him, a different layer of his character that is you know, maybe more objective or at least different. And so, yeah, I guess, I guess that was effective too, but yeah. Yeah. I did like what you said in, in your review about how, um, you know, there is that sort of that that sort of Robert Trevor self-deceptive layer there of, you know, or he 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 becomes a communist because that's the cool thing to do. Then he builds the atom bomb because it's World War II and that's the cool thing to do. Then he turns his back on the project and and has this sort of retrospective guilt because that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm sure, you know, if you sat down with Oppenheimer at each point in time, he would be completely sincere in his belief in that moment that you know, communism is the right thing to do. Building the bomb is the right thing to do. Not, you know, I regret building the bomb. That was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah I thought that was very well done. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and and he and like the fact that not only he, he's pro the atom, atomic bomb, he's pro dropping it on Japan. He's like one of the only ones who actually wants to drop <laughs> it on, on Japan, right? Like all yeah. the other scientists are like Germany is defeated, and like maybe we don't we don't need it. And he's like, no, no, we got to demonstrate to the world that like war is like bad, like the nuclear, you know, the, the atomic bomb is bad, and so like. That to me was like, wait a minute. That's like, that's like it, it, he wanted to believe. You know, he wanted to believe that at that point. You know, I, I like what he puts on the um, the like the general's outfit or whatever the military uniform, and then his friend, I forget which one, the the the, the fatter one, uh, the scientist tells him, you know, take off the ear. You're a scientist, but you could see Oppenheimer like the power. Right, he was leaning he, into he, it. Yeah, he, he liked leaning, it. He, he liked it exactly. I mean, this is the brilliance of Nolan. Another thing about like the book. Um, so, you know, just the introduction from like, from the introduction, uh, like you think, oh, maybe Nolan like was just going by the book, but like, you know, it's interesting to see like where he deviated from the book. Cause I haven't read that much. Just the introduction of like the first chapter or so, but, uh, it's it, like the, according to the introduction, it's like very like 
typical like liberal sob story. Oh, this was all just bad. You know, the, this was just McCarthyism. Uh, Oppenheimer's left wing politics were like so great. You know, he was just completely sincere. Uh, you know, in, in these uh, in this anti war stuff or this uh, yeah this arms control stuff after uh, after World War Two. Um, and then from the film, it's much more ambiguous, right? And so you see that sort of like yeah, Nolan didn't like come out and just tell like a, a McCarthyite you know World War Two sob story. I mean, he told one. I think it's actually pretty. Uh, you know, that's it was well done to, yeah. because either way, either way, you could believe it, right? The way that the movies de- depicts him is like, you know, you could you could believe he's a communist or like a like a like a serious communist, or he just had sort of sympathetic ties to it, and you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it was it was it was relatively it wasn't super ambiguous. I mean, I thought it was pretty clear, especially like before the before he was recruited that he was sympathetic to communism. And there was even a scene with the colonel where he said something along the lines of like, you didn't recruit me despite my communist connections, but because of them, because you knew you could control me. Right. Like by, by, by sort of serving the government, this would like, he had, he had no, um, he, he didn't really have much freedom. He had to do this thing because otherwise they could have um, come after him for his communist ties. This was sort of his way of, uh, of, of escaping that, of sort of exonerating himself. And yeah, no, I don't yeah, think yeah. So. I don't think he he was... They could, they weren't going to come after him. I mean, they were just left him alone if he didn't want to join the Manhattan Project. But he, oh, he you had think that if, if he had refused the Manhattan, you, you don't think they would have uh, like found uh, ways never, to I mean, coerce people, him? People, I'm sure some people refused, and nobody was arrested or anything. Maybe not arrested, but harassed or um, you know had their had probably their lives disrupted in some way. Probably wouldn't have been great for his career, but I mean, I think you know, I'm sure some people didn't, and then you know, they it wasn't. Stalinist Russia or anything, you know, nothing, oh, no, 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 nothing, nothing really like that. Me. Sure, um, but then why that line? You know, why would he? Why would he say that line? Then? Well, because I maybe mean, he wants because he wants to. Well, because I mean, to keep. Why not? I mean, because he wants to keep track of communists, right? Like that's just still a good way to keep track of communists, which you want to do anyway, right? Yeah. Well, what I mean, like the line of like you didn't recruit me despite it, but because of it. So yeah, they yeah they wanted to monitor him, and this was a way to sort of keep him closer. Yeah, and a, and to potentially like not lose him to the Soviets. I don't really know like the history there of like how, no, that how far long the nobody, Soviets nobody were. Defect, nobody, 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 nobody. No one defected. Well, maybe not directly, them. right? But like, were, were, were there not like the movie did depict spies, right? Like, were there not spies in the Manhattan Project that like leaked secrets yeah. to well, no, the Soviets? Yeah, it came out that the British, you know, the British guy was the uh, uh, spy. Were a lot. <laughs> there were a lot of British. People spying yeah. uh, for for the Soviets during during the Cold yeah. War. Yeah, and that's the uh, thing. Like uh, Oppenheimer and the scientists, uh, uh, Klaus Fuchs um, uh, was that guy. And so, like, uh, you know, so like, you know, they. This is why I think it's like the. I said that in the film and the review that the hero of the film is the American system. Within because they were right. Like they like Oppenheimer. They explicitly argue about this. Oppenheimer and the rest of the scientists, you know, think that you know, even Oppenheimer. He tells them afterwards in the years in the when they're in the atomic uh, energy commission. They're having, I think, in the meeting. He tells them, "No way, nobody was a spy. Nothing, no spy." It comes up, yes, there was a spy. Like he, Oppenheimer just made this categorical. Uh, you know, they argued about this during the, during the um, Manhattan Project itself, and so Oppenheimer was just like so certain of this, and he turned out to be wrong, um, and. You know, uh, Groves is supposed to be the, the good guy. I don't know these people who think it was like a uh, an, like an anti-McCarthyist film. I mean, like the hearing on Oppenheimer got to the truth. 
like everyone, like they said, he was like a loyal American. Uh, we all say that, but like these people, but he wouldn't pass a security clearance, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah based like, on true, like, based yeah. on yeah, exactly, based on the law and based on you know the truth and Groves, who's a good guy. Even though Groves does say, you know, I couldn't have cleared any of those guys at this, at the, uh, you know, based on the new, based on the law, which now. is which is really interesting, right? Like that is a sort of a unique insight into like that, like many of the smartest people, the intellectuals, the intelligentsia. There were there was this fascination and love for for communism or socialism during that time right like there's something interesting about how the the bomb was ultimately built by by a team of communists but for the american system yeah i mean because because they were they were jewish i mean really the jews of the time were overwhelmingly socialist or communist uh sympathy this was this was the this was the argument that the fascists make and that the fascists were very uh angry about um and yeah i wonder i mean i wonder how many like i'm trying to think of like the non uh, Jewish ones, though, but there were there weren't that many, there weren't that many non-Jewish uh, scientists involved in the Manhattan Project. I mean, they really were like this was like a sort of a unique, uh, small group of people from a small part of the world uh, that contribute all these things to all these things to physics, which is really amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You made that point in your review, right? Like this is a kind of um, like a liberal fantasy of like how um, how racism actually hurt the Germans, right? Because they were. Um, unwilling to use what they termed uh, Jewish physics, right? Like anything discovered by Jewish scientists was like, by definition, must have been inaccurate. And so then the U.S. recruited these scientists and uh, everything they said turned out to be correct. And then sort of uh, the, the anti-racist or the anti, the anti-anti-Semitic crew ended up triumphing uh, because they held the proper, like the, the, the moral beliefs and the scientific beliefs and the victory, it all sort of came together as one. Which, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I could imagine that would be like very, very gratifying. And any other producer, like first of all, they don't experience they don't experience anti-Semitism in America. Groves just says, you know, our secret. Like one once Oppenheimer, you know, he's pronouncing his name and he says, oh well, either way, they know it's Jewish. Ha <laughs> ha! Like he makes a self-deprecating joke, but that's it. You don't see him like you don't see anyone treating him differently. Not um, in America. There was that scene. Yeah. They were on a train, I think, in um, the Netherlands. Uh, where uh, Oppenheimer is sitting across from another physicist, and the phys- you know they said they said something about their shared Jewish lineage, and then the other guy tells Oppenheimer, you know, like, do you ever have trouble? Something along the lines of like, yeah, do they ever give you any trouble here, or like, do they have trouble for our kind here, something like that? And, and Oppenheimer says something like, do you mean physicists? And the guy laughs. Um, because clearly he's saying like, do you ever have difficulty being Jewish uh, here yeah, in but Europe? This is nineteen thirties um, Europe. I mean, yeah, this is, which is this right. Is, exactly. So I'm just saying like it was, a, it, they only showed that scene in Europe, but nothing like that in America because America was actually legitimately less anti-Semitic. But if, but if you period. actually read like liberals who write about the time, like, no, it was a terrible time where, you know, like even the, even the biography has a little, get into the little country bit of clubs. Yeah. You couldn't get into the country clubs. You couldn't, uh, you know, whatever yeah. they looked at the Harvard quotas, right. Which like now Harvard conservatives want to bring up and liberals don't want to bring up. Right. Um, and there is a little bit of that in the book, not tons of it, not tons of it, though, but there's a little bit of it in the book. And so the fact that Nolan didn't, uh, you know, yeah, you could have. Yeah, I guess like if you a certain kind of filmmaker would have had like someone like Colonel Groves, right, who's this sort of like down home American uh, uh, military officer could have like made a little snide remark or something, but he never did. Right. Like there was there was none of that from from any of the American characters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um and they're like, not, like they could have just shown like some redneck in the south or or something, you know. This was this this would have any other uh, any other producer, you know. I want to say uh, would have done this, right? Um, the uh, and like, yeah. I mean, so this is this is you know this is and so like and also the 
there's no like there's no feminism there. You know that that one uh, uh, female scientist shows up like they didn't teach typing at the you know at the Harvard chemistry course. It's like, but I was like, okay, come on, you're on the team. That's it. That's it. No, no other. That's there was no overt it. feminism. There was that scene with. Um, it wasn't like it was not explicit, but you have to have these kinds of scenes where Emily Blunt, uh, uh, Oppenheimer's wife in the movie, you know, they're, they're uh, ex- cross-examining her. I don't know what, you know, they're, they're interviewing her, interrogating yeah, her. Funny. And she, you know, she, she ha- like has all the right answers. She's very quick. She uh, is clearly smarter than, you know, she's the smartest person in the room kind of thing. So if you don't have any um, overt uh, feminist uh, talking points, you still have to have like a strong female character who's clearly smarter than all of the men, despite just being a housewife, despite, you know, not having the same level of education as any of them. Um, she's, she's like, yeah, I don't like know, miles the, ahead I don't of know about the history. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe she was the best, you know, best at the hearing. I don't know. Like I wasn't, Possibly, uh, but there was nothing in the movie to suggest that, right. That she would be so much smarter than all of those guys. And, have like I think there was like even a scene where she sort of had like a, a bit of knowledge about the law and what her rights were in that situation and like okay well like how many even even educated housewives were they that um, knowledgeable I don't know but 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 you're right overall like it was uh, even killed. Now the women at the time, I mean, the women, like women, high class American women were like, you know, they were housewives. They were highly, I mean, they valued education and reading to to a large extent. So they probably knew a lot. Uh, the yeah the um, yeah, and so yeah, the and like the um, you know there was a few black faces of these like nineteen thirties physics. I thought that was funny. Like I don't think there were any. Like there were like two or three. You would see them every every now and then. There was one Chi- you know Chinese or East Asian guy uh, I saw in like Cambridge or something. Um, that was that could have been possible, but even that I think there were a few Japanese students. Yeah, uh, in Cambridge. Yeah, I visited the library here like a year ago and like, yeah, Emperor Hirohito, like the, the, you know, the, the emperor of Japan during world war two in the 1920s, he studied at Cambridge. Um, yeah, yeah. So there were like a handful of, uh, you know, Japanese. That would have been amazing actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got it. We got to look that up. Was that, that one. Yeah, these, little, these little cameos, like when Strauss goes down and Senate, like this young Senator, John F. Kennedy. <laughs> it's like these little mm. cameos of these, these people who are like a little, little something for the audience. Yeah, just like you remember, yeah, all these, you know, these names from history. Uh, yeah, what do you think about like when they had like what do you think was the pattern behind the black and white versus the color? Wasn't the at least my interpretation of it was the the, the color film was that was Oppenheimer's perspective of what was going on around him. And then the black and white, well, I guess like the black and white um, examinations and interrogations, that was supposed to be a sort of the view from nowhere. This is like an objective view of what's going on. And then the recollections from each of the people that's supposed to be their sort of subjective recollections of what Oppenheimer was like. Um, So it kind of, yeah, it kind of took multiple different points of view, which I guess sort of kept it interesting in a way, just like like how you keep someone's interest for three hours, right? And so, yeah. What like, what did you think of it? Yeah, although, yeah, uh, you know, they weren't all flashbacks. Of the, the the actual Manhattan Project that was in it. Like they didn't ask him about the moment to the bomb. Then then so I, I didn't see everything that happened in the past as a uh, as a flashback. Um, the uh, well. Right, right, yeah. Well, that was—I think—that was from Oppenheimer's perspective, right? Like when the yeah, bomb yeah. went off. But it's, it's, yeah, but it's not. I mean, it's not a flashback in, in the film, in the context of the film. It's just the thing that did. You're right; it did happen from Oppenheimer's perspective. Is like <laughs> you know, so Nolan did this before in Memento. He had this sort of black and white versus. Did you ever see Memento? 
No, I haven't seen it. It's it's worth watching, but he does. It's it's not exactly the same, but it's a similar device that he uses with like black and white as a flash back, and then color as a flash forward, and he sort of plays with time in this way based on the color of the film. And so, yeah, it was really interesting to see that. That um, there's there's a better yeah, there's a better better call Saul which you didn't like, but yeah, that had a lot of that too. Um, the Breaking Bad had that. I don't think so. It was it was it was just all Saul. Uh, the uh, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. So the what was black and white? It was the Strauss stuff. It was um, so I think that the the, the color. So you, usually color is future and black and white is past. But this was different. The the early fifties was uh, uh, black and white, and like the twenties and thirties and forties, uh, early forties were color. Uh, and I think it, it it sort of it shows. I think what it shows is sort of the great moral struggle of World War Two, the clarity of it. Um, and then the sort of the passions of youth, you know, the ambition, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the sex, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the finding romantic partners, all of that stuff, uh, the young ideological experimentation, all that stuff. You have the youth and then you have like sort of, you know, the American, you know, World War II effort. Um, and then what's, what's color? It's the ambiguity of the Cold War and post-war American society. And then also just like getting old. And like sort of looking back and not having, you know, all that sort of spunk and fire and like, you know, uh, future plans. I, I think that's sort of what's going on. He's there. a bit more subdued, all of the characters. I mean, Oppenheimer throughout is a pretty subdued guy. What did you describe earlier? Like that quiet arrogance um, that comes through. But yeah, he's definitely less energetic towards the end. And I thought like, yeah, it was subtle, but it was played pretty well that, uh, you know, when he's a student, when he's studying, when he's ambitious, when he's trying to make a name for himself, he does sort of. Um, yeah, appear more sort of what sprightly and more switched on, and you can tell like by the end he is um, like you know I guess you know one argument is always because of his age, another is because of his lingering guilt over the bomb. I guess those aren't mutually exclusive. It can be a bit of both, the guilt and the age, sort of getting to him and gnawing at him over time. Um, which yeah, I thought that was yeah yeah. Killian Murphy did a good job. I think um, he, you know he even lost like you could tell he he must have lost uh, quite a bit of weight because he's already a pretty lean guy. But then to get that sort of gaunt look of, of Oppenheimer, um, yeah, he's very svelte. And yeah, I thought he embodied the character like really well. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, you say his name is, uh, you pronounce it Killian Murphy? Pretty sure it's Killian. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an Irish actor. I've seen him, yeah, um, not in person, but like in interviews and stuff. And I'm like 90% sure it's pronounced Killian. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, uh, right. Uh, so, was your interpretation of the film um, like? Do you think was your similar to mine that like Oppenheimer was sort of a flawed person and like the American system worked, or did you have a sort of a different take? Uh, yeah, I mean that, that. I think I like that interpretation of it. Um, yeah, that, that in a way, you know, the the American system works so well that you know you were able to they were able to recruit scientists that were sort of you know, against it, right? Like fundamentally against the the principles of, of capitalism and free market. And, and yet still um, the country is so what generous and appealing, you know, in a way that is kind of a liberal's dream too, right? Like we're so open-minded, so free and so um, willing to tolerate disagreement and dissent and, and so on that we're, you know, able to do that. And then I guess, you know, the, the sort of the McCarthyism aspect of it too. Um but I would like to know, like, do you know with with McCarthyism, what were the like actual sentences or or, or penalties? Not, like, if you were like, if you were an actual like a, you yeah. know if you were serious like communist, what did they do to you? Like, what did the U.S. government do to you? Like, they, they weren't arresting you. you. 
no, not give you security clearances or maybe, you know, there was like blacklists in Hollywood, so maybe not give you the jobs. But no, it's the most exaggerated. I mean, it's the most exaggerated. That's my understanding as well. I've heard uh, Brian Kaplan talk about this, too. And at least, you know, sort of secondhand sources that I've seen is that McCarthyism is, is very much overblown and not nearly the, you know, the sort of social uh, uh, what uh, movement or, or like the fear from it wasn't nearly as great as, as people tend to remember um, it being or, or, or claiming yeah, because that it, it was. Yeah, because it was the left. I mean, it was, the, the, it was because it was going after the left, right? That's, that's why you have this, these remembrances. Um, that are like that exactly and yeah it's not per- i mean it's you know like it's a little bit of it but it's not portrayed as like you know it's like not so unreasonable i mean it seems commensurate with uh the, you know the problem mccarthy himself is not showing because mccarthy is like actually the, the worst like he was like uh, a kind of one of these like you know stolen election types today it's like the worst representation yeah he would have been at the capital he would, he would have all the terrible evidence he would have that is we to talk about that as well he'd be an anti-vaxxer <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know, but he was, you know, he was, he was like the, you know, so like, if you want to make McCarthyism look bad, you, you use McCarthy, um, you have him sort of play a role and yeah, he does him, he himself just is barely mentioned. Um, even Strauss like goes around McCarthy, he's like, McCarthy's a clown. You know, I have to, you know, to, to actually do something effective, you have to go around him. Uh, and so, Oh, right. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. So they even undermine or like show how, how unserious McCarthy was. Yeah. Like how, how even like ineffective, ineffective. Uh, yeah, minimize. Right. But yeah, so that's interesting too. Yeah, so in a way, yeah, I felt like it, you know, it did seem like a relatively accurate portrayal of that period. And I mean, they make it made it seem like very high stakes whether Oppenheimer would get a security clearance or not. But like in the end, like how much did he really want it? And and ultimately, I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, like you said, like the system worked. If he had received the clearance and continued to work for the government. You know, based on everything we saw in the movie, at least, you know, I haven't read the book. I don't know, you know, skim the Wikipedia page, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, had they given him the clearance, if he did start sort of selling secrets to Soviets or Soviet friendly allies and, you know, continue his ties with those communities uh, and sharing that. Well, I, no, I think it was a different, I think it was a different time. I think it was like, it was the, I, I, yeah, I don't think so. I like, I, you know, I don't think he, uh, yeah, I mean, in the 1930s, if this was like Hitler. I mean, Hitler was like sort of had, uh, had um, uh, you know, these Jews were very anti-Hitler, obviously. Um, and so the Soviets were seen. So even in the 1950s, even Stalin goes anti-Semitic. That's the other big thing um, that happens. And so these Jews don't, and Stalin starts, you know, locking up Jewish doctors and thinking they're going to poison him and stuff. Uh, and so this, and so like into the American Jews. Was like still a, like... There was still like a pretty strong communist streak among the intellectuals in America, even in the fifties, right? Like my understanding is like they didn't really turn their backs on communism until I think, yeah, Stalin's crimes didn't really like uh, become sort of widely known and, and accepted, and you know the denial um, sort of ceased in, in the nineteen sixties, right? Nineteen sixties, maybe early nineteen no, seventies. They clung to it for a long time. I think fifties people. I think fifties. It was different from the nineteen. 19- 20s and 30s. Uh, I, think I, 50s was... I think like the 60s and set like that period, right? The sort of American uh, period, like the, the, the 1960s in America, right? Like I think a lot of intellectuals still like had some. They, a lot did, them. but it wasn't. It wasn't like the 30s. It wasn't like the 20s and 30s. You know, the I mean, they were in the New York Times. They're, they're they were the, refusing to cover like the Cambodian genocide, in, like all the way into the 1970s. Oh, no, but, no that, that's different. The East Asian, the Maoism, was also like the like they they sort of gave 
Chinese communism a little bit of a a little bit of a chance. So um, they, they they switch. Okay, so the Soviets are bad, but we'll switch over to Maoism yeah. and, and everyone and knew everyone everyone every yeah. I mean, there was there was hope of yeah, like Maoism. Like they they like Mao yeah. more than they like the Soviet. Like the okay, the okay. Straight. So so fair yeah. enough then. So so then so then Oppenheimer may not have you know. Uh, um, uh, disclosed secrets or confidential information to the Soviets, but I, you know, whatever to 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 the to the Maoists, to the Chinese, to the the Cubans. They didn't have the they didn't have the like the networks that the uh, that the Russians did. It wasn't like Mao was like some great spy master. But would you? Them. I mean, okay, so you so you're saying you would give Oppenheimer the clearance? No worries. No, I, I'm not. I don't know. Maybe. I think they made the right call, Richard. Yeah, maybe they did. I, I don't think he's going to solve secrets to communists. I, I just I, I think that. Even if he has bad judgment, he'll he'll talk to a reporter or, or do something stupid, um, you know, or, or like think or like think he's like smarter than everyone and should like control the program or sabotage it or or whatever. I mean, there was a lot of reasons to be sort of skeptical uh, of Oppen- Oppenheimer, um, and he was old. You know, like it's like it's like maybe McCarthy. It was like people get old and like they shouldn't just be in positions of power forever. So like maybe he wasn't the best scientist in nineteen, you know, in nineteen fifty fifty four. Um, or whatever that year. Whatever well, by that point, he probably year. wasn't. You know, he was probably in some kind of supervisory role or an advisory role. Or you know, he probably wasn't like um, yeah. doing any serious work on any sort yeah. of nuclear he like, development. Yeah, he, he had left physics behind. Yeah, he was like he was like fifty at that point. Um, sure, yeah. but someone like that, man. Like even if he like if he had any hiring decisions. You know, like there's just like a lot that could go wrong. Yeah, he tried to sleep with all his underlings' wives. I mean, I yeah, there's a lot of good yeah. reasons to. Uh, yeah, but he's old now. Again, he's old, so who knows if he still even does that? <laughs> yeah, he still look good, though. You know, yeah. men men age like wine. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, let's uh, move on. To I will say that uh, Emily Blunt looks a lot better than Oppenheimer's real life. I, I googled her. <laughs> and, uh, Wait, which one? I mean, Killian Murphy looks a lot better than the real Oppenheimer. To be fair, but uh, the distance between the actual life and Emily Blunt is like very very stark. Uh, I think that the real Oppenheimer, let me see the real Oppenheimer. I think the real Oppenheimer actually was pretty, I mean, it was pretty, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, he's, you know, obviously the actor usually is a little bit better, but it's a remarkable, it's a pretty good resemblance. Oh, sure. Got, sure. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, emaciated yeah, face. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a bad looking the, guy. Yeah. yeah. Even in yeah. even in his old age, right? You look at old pictures like Oppenheimer when he gets older, and he still, you know, has most of his hair. He's still thin. What do you think features. about that that, that, that uh, communist uh, girlfriend, uh, Jean? Uh, what was it? What was her name? Uh, her name was uh, Jean, uh, Jean Patlock. Uh, she was played by uh, Florence Pugh. P U G H. How do you say this girl's name? Psychiatrist. Oh yeah, they they made some remarks about like Freud and Jung, and I, yeah, I was wondering about that too, and why they were discussing psychoanalysts and, and what connection. It was just they part had. of things at the time. It was like they were into yeah. it was like communism and like Freud. Right. Those uh, were the intellectual fashions of the era. Um, oh, she. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can almost understand why Oppenheimer might have had an affair because Jean Tatlock looks different than Oppenheimer's wife, uh, and all. Yeah. You know. People can look at uh, but the she but actually the does look quite too. good. Like they look similar, the actress and and Jean Tapley. Yeah, the, but the, yeah, yeah, but the actress looks really good, and she's actually sometimes they make people thinner. She's actually a little, I think, a little bit chunkier than the real life. She's like more, uh, she's more, uh, you know, 
whiter yeah, faced, yeah, yeah, sexy, yeah, sexier, right? I, I, you know, sexier in like the you know the, the full figure woman uh, sense. Um, yeah, and then you look at Jean uh, Tadlock. Uh, I'm trying to find more than one picture of her. She's actually she has like a modern. She has like the modern non feminine look. Like you know, you know how like uh, like att- attractive women are becoming like the women presented as attractive have been like becoming more masculinized. Have you seen this? Like in the nineteen like uh, you know pretty actress nineteen forties versus like two thousand ten, but she like have like a sharper nose and like darker skin tone and like all these things that like are associated with uh, uh, more masculine traits. Uh, I'm saying the real life Jean Taplock like had that. She had like she had like the two thousand two thousand ten. Uh, attractiveness. Although the hair. Anyways, I'm very passionate about. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think. Yeah, I'm like yeah, very invested <laughs> in this. I mean, yeah, like uh, uh G- yeah. I, I mean, I think Jean Tatlock. She, you know, she she is an like the real Jean Tatlock. She was an attractive woman. Um, Oppenheimer's wife, uh, different, different, uh, different appearance. Um, yeah, let me let me let me take another look at, at, at Kitty Oppenheimer. Let me let me see. I, I forgot. I mean. Oh, she really, oh my goodness. Sorry, Kitty Oppenheimer, but yeah, she really wasn't attractive. Wow. Uh, you know, it's, it would have been an interesting... What year is this photo? Page. Page. Yeah, what year Kitty are these photos? Catherine Oppenheimer. Catherine, okay, this is 44. Okay, so she wasn't that old. Uh, yeah, she was 44, so she was... Um, imagine, 19. Richard, imagine in the movie they, they casted someone who looked like like the real... You know, Abbott Hummer's wife. Like, if, if someone, yeah, they would have you know, entry, they did yeah, the curlers yeah. and the hair, the style, the yeah, it would have yeah. been a different movie. <laughs> it would have been interesting, right? Because people, if people are, uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been in- interesting. People might have had a little more sympathy for Oppenheimer, maybe, or maybe not. Like for I his uh, philandering. <laughs> what do you mean? Like sympathy for what? Like I don't know. He needed someone. He needed something else. Like, yeah, you know. You know. Have you ever seen this thing where like, uh, like men who are, like attractive men who are with like ugly women are like rated like higher morally or something like that? <laughs> like, that was an I've episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I don't remember. Oh yeah. Well, maybe I'm confusing scientific studies with Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Might have been I thought it was the reverse. Well, maybe not morally, but the studies. So no, I have morally. seen studies on this. Okay, I, yeah. I don't know the morally studies, but in terms of um, in, in inferences about like general sort of social status, competence, Obviously. intelligence, then the, the more attractive your wife, the the high, the, know, the more highly regarded you are. I just have to say the thing about these women and why it's hard, it's hard to judge them is that the thing that looks different is the hair. That that women like that. there's been advances in women's hair and women with long hair versus short hair. They all have short hair because a long hair, I think, um, was harder to maintain back then, and they all look worse. Um, and they well, all because they didn't have straighteners and they didn't have relaxed. Yeah. So, and, and, and there was a, somebody told me on Twitter that there was a TikTok thing where like a, a young girls would like put, use their mothers and grandmothers like hairstyles, and then and then like people would see like automatically like okay they were they're not as attractive. Like it's obviously the hair is what makes women today so much more attractive than they were in the 1940s. But there's a trade off because women today are much more likely to be obese. Oh, so yeah, I think a lot of yeah. guys would take bad hair and 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 low BMI versus high BMI and well, and but long, they have no. But hair. the women back then had no. They didn't go to the gym though. They they were they were skinny fat. I think I think that's I the think, problem. I think what skinny fat versus like dude, the average American woman weighs like 170 pounds. <laughs> like, yeah, average, skinny yeah, fat. Yeah. You know, 120 pounds of skinny fat versus 170 pounds of modern American woman. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I weigh 170 pounds. Like, I don't know. You know, like is the average woman. I mean, the average, there's probably like 500 pounders that are bringing that number up. I mean, is the, the average woman, uh, uh, the, what's the median? So that's, in, that's, that's, I think, yeah. Is that median or, 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 so I'm inclined to believe that it's median because the, the number for men is like 193 and like 193 makes sense for men, right? Like that's not that high. Um, yeah. still fat. Like it's still fat for someone who's five foot nine. Like it's still overweight, but for women, it's like like that. You know, I think so. I think that is the median. Well, well what about age? One seventy three. You're counting everybody, so it's it's saying that between twenty and thirty nine, it's one sixty eight. Okay, it's not that it's not that much better. Uh, okay, that's all. That's a uh, that's a lot for some. The uh, average like, is like me and me and yeah. Fred Riley like a little more uh, oh, cushion okay. on the cushion. Okay. All right. Noted. Yeah. Not that much. Not American like West Virginia standards. Um, but like, you know, like I'm not scared of, I'm not scared of 160. Like 160 is not like, oh my God, that's the most disgusting thing ever. Depending on proportions, the muscles, the, they're also, you have to consider the muscle. They are stronger than they were. They work out sometimes. Changes the BMI. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. The muscle, muscle. So do, do you think Florence Pugh is attractive? She's pretty. I think how much you think she weighs? Who's this? Florence. That's the, uh, the the Tatlock uh, character, the, the woman who plays the, uh, the communist woman. Oh, uh, yeah, I think she's fine. I mean, you know, she she yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's one sixty or one seventy. I mean, I can. T- well, in the movie, she didn't look that heavy. I did like her okay, well, in uh, in Midsummer. Well, here this I mean, maybe I maybe I have no idea with what seven hundred seventy pounds look like because this tells me this website tells me she's a uh, hundred. She also has, like, I have no a, idea what one seventy looks like. <laughs> well, her face, she has the kind of face that looks heavy, but then she, she yeah. you saw her nude in the movie and she looked like a, you know, like she was in perfectly fine shape, but she just has one of those faces. I think that like gives the appearance of, of being uh, heavier than she really is. Yeah. And the real life one doesn't have any of that. The real life uh, one is just slender. Anyways. Yeah. Let's move on to um, stop objectifying women, Richard. This is very, <laughs> well, that's, that's, what the, that's what our audience is here for. And they, they they want they want the uh, they want the they want the uh, the flow. We're going to move on to talk about women and their emotions and feelings with Barbie. So we'll make up for it. Uh, make up for yeah, it. Let's with do Barbie. let's do Barbie, and then let's do the uh, like the the contrast afterwards. So yeah, I mean, is there anything like? Is like I think it's just so. I don't think it's like there's difficulties in interpreting this movie. I saw conservatives trying to make it into something. I didn't see any liberals do this. I didn't see any liberals say this isn't really a feminist movie. Right, but I saw Helen Andrews on American Conservatives. Like, this is about being a millennial mom. <laughs> Wait, what is Barbie? Yeah, it's like, what planet are you? What planet are you on? Uh, is that yeah, because the what? What's her name? Um, the, the the Hispanic mother uh, in the movie. Like, is she? Is that what she means by that? Like, um, yeah, I, I didn't I've never seen a millennial it's Barbie. Helen Andrews, Barbie. A millennial mom movie. Move over, boomers. It's the millennials' top time now. Uh, Greta Gerwig, director and co-writer, Barbie is a millennial mom. There are not many of us. Blah 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 blah. That's where blah blah. Partner and co-writer of Nancy. Blah 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 blah. And then she says, um, she talks about Gerwig's old older stuff. Is a movie about how Barbie is a movie about how being a woman is difficult, just like Lady Bird is about how being a mom is difficult. In both cases, difficulty is worth it because it connects the person to the deepest kind of loves known to womankind. Sisterhood and motherhood. What planet are you? What? 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 <laughs> I can't believe this review. This is not what that's about. It's about. Well, there's no, there are no wrong answers, right? Like I think, like, when, like Bar- the Barbie movie really to me showed that, like, we are in the era of. 
and I guess we've been in this era for a while, but especially now that everyone has a platform, everyone, like every like there are no wrong answers for the interpretation of art. Well, people need and to everyone have their own agenda, their own axe to grind. Everyone saw what they wanted in that movie. It's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think well, you know. Yeah. I think my interpretation of it is right, and I thought yours. You know, most of yours is right too. But you know, like, oh, yeah, it's just there okay. are no right answers to this movie. Very, very, very progressive of you. The, I, I, uh, um, no, you know what? I went into the movie I, because I saw that Ben Shapiro company. You sent it to me, um, and other people the, making fun of it. It's like four to three minutes of destroying, but and I didn't want to. I wanted to be able to go in and say Ben Shapiro is wrong. Because, like, that was just so cringe and so stupid, right? I wanted to say... The lighting, oh, the Barbie's on fire, and that little trash can. I wanted to say there's a deeper, more sophisticated understanding of this movie. That lasted for, like, you know, maybe a third of the movie. And then, and then it was like, this is just a... Uh, it, no, it, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing deeper here. I, I thought I, there was something salvageable there. I mean, I, I, I you know, if, if, you, if you, I did a sort of... Um, you know, I don't think this was intentional, but what, there is a reading yeah, of it that is it. a bit a bit more right wing, which is essentially, you know, I, I tweeted it was just like, you know, I, it took a little it took a little work to fit it into 240 characters, but it's essentially so so Barbie is in Barbie Land, she is you know she's unsatisfied with it, she starts to have thoughts, and she goes to the real world and discovers that it's a patriarchy, and then she returns to Barbie Land and sees that Ken has turned Barbie Land into a patriarchy, and she helps to return it into Barbie Land. But then in the end, Barbie decides that she wants to return to the real world, which is actually a patriarchy. Um, why would she do that? Right. And so I guess the, the, the reading here would be actually maybe maybe uh, Barbie land isn't so great and that the patriarchy is what she wanted all along. Patriarchy is what she wanted all along. Right. Yeah. Why would she, you know, she left Barbie land, right? She left oh, Barbie land initially, discovered the patriarchy, horrified, comes back to Barbie land. Oh no, Ken turned into a patriarchy. Horrifying. Okay. Oh, let me go back to the real world. You know, and and uh, that's that's the end of the movie, right? Like the end. Like if you wanted it to be a typical feminist triumph, it would be her restoring Barbie Land to its rightful place as the whatever, like the 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 you know, the ruling of the Barbies and the subjugation of the cats. Yeah, but, uh, but, but that's she not goes a full to the life. Real world. That's not a full life to them because they're they're basically just wanting to be pretty, and so like a feminist sort of ideology, like you have to sort of. Uh, you sort of have to go out. You have to go out and sort of deal with the real world, right? And you know, she has to. Well, yeah, I think. It, it, I don't know if that's uh, yeah. true, right? Like, you know, if like I think in in some sense, like that is what you you like the Barbie Land. Like the whole like opening sequence is just like how amazing Barbie Land is. Like all of your friends love you. All of the guys like their whole. Um, objective is to be seen by you, to be looked at by you. Like you have all of this power, all of this. Um, uh, yeah, all of this status. And yeah, I think like that is, and, and then like, you, you know, to, to, to sort of triumph over the Kens and like restore it to that. Like, why wouldn't that be the, the, you know, I guess like that would be a sort of a straightforward feminist depiction. Uh, but then going back into the real world, despite, you know, it's horrors and it's, you know, at the end, like the final line about, oh, you know, she needs to see a gynecologist. Um, and I saw, you know, there were some funny tweets about that, about like, oh, is that what makes her, you know, a real woman? You know, she's not a Barbie anymore. She's a real woman because she has to see a gynecologist, somebody page Matt Walsh. Um, so, so yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, why would she go back there? 
I mean, I thought the whole depiction of patriarchy was silly anyway. Um, and I did sort of agree with, uh, like Shapiro and a lot. Like, it's not really like the whole, like the scene where Ken discovers Barbie land as a patriarchy. It's like, what does he see? He sees John Travolta in Greece from like 1973. He sees Sylvester Stallone in like one of the Rambo movies. He sees, um, uh, uh, Bill Clinton. He sees like all these images from like the mid 20th century. I don't know which critic this was, but they made a good point, which is that, um, if, if you wanted to show like what pop culture looks like today, what the actual you know scene of pop, it would look like the Barbie movie. It wouldn't look like, you know, Sylvester Stallone and Rambo in 1980, but we don't have those images anymore. And like, but I, but then we kind of do, right. Because why didn't we like, why didn't Ken see images of the rock or Donald Trump or, you know, the, like there are modern day images of, of sort of overt masculine. Yeah, well, that's the rock is, I mean, I don't know. It seems like you, you can't, you kick the rock. It's like, what did he do wrong? Right. It's like, uh, uh, Trump. I mean, you have Trump to show is the bad political. guys. Yeah, Trump is too I political. Mean, so then you show, yeah. but then like, you know, you're 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 reaching back into like the '90s and the '80s and this like this like <laughs> John Travolta from Greece. Like I mean, half the audience, funny. at least half the I audience, wouldn't even recognize that. Supposed, I thought that was just supposed to be like a caricature, like uh, John Travolta in Greece, probably well, because he's gay, and it's just like this old thing. It's like you know, uh, Greece. There is like in a funny. musical, right? Like the Greece, like the whole movie of Greece yeah. is a musical, and like that's supposed to be the patriarchy yeah. is like him, no, like in his skinny I mean, jeans. Yeah, why did she go back? I guess that's that is interesting. I mean, I wonder if there is anything to that. She's so longing like, for it. She's longing for yeah, it. And she I, she actually know, doesn't I mean, find Barbie Land as satisfying as you uh, know. And she doesn't have any like. Um, any hopes of like she doesn't have any attraction to men like at any point in the film like not as a real woman and not as a uh, not as Barbie like so we have no we have no idea so it's like well, this is one thing Shapiro said just like men and women can only flourish when they completely ignore each other there is no way that like they can like you know that they can that there's no no even vision of them like getting along. Yeah, I don't know. Was it you who wrote this, or or I don't know? But but like, I thought that if the, if this movie had been made like maybe fifteen years ago, I think it would have ended with like a reconciliation with the Barbies and Kens. Like the moral of the story would have been like we're different and we want different things, but ultimately we can come together and roll together. It doesn't have to be one or the other; it can be both. And now it is. It's like depicted as the zero sum game of like either the Barbies are in charge or the Kens are in charge. And if the Kens are in charge, then the Barbies have to be back in charge, but not, you know, it's, it's, it is sort of like, like, um, adversarial in that sense. I also thought it was interesting sort of going along with this theme of like, you know, secret desire for patriarchy, which I, you know, I'm only saying this tongue in cheek, but you know, they don't show like the brainwashing of the Barbies, right? Like, you know, Barbie comes back, Ken installs the Kenocracy, the patriarchy, and all of the attractive Barbies are like enjoying serving the Kens, right? Like they're not like, they're not enslaved. Right. Like they're not being mistreated or beaten or like it's like, oh, these mansplaining the Godfather to me or, oh, like I'm serving them beers. But it's not like they are um, whatever, like beating them or like forcing them to do something that they don't want to do. And they say, oh, they've been they've been brainwashed. They've been. Um, what is it like? They don't have any defenses. Like when the Europeans came to America, <laughs> it's like, like, well, you know, like what like how did how did that process play out then of just like, hey, I have an idea. You serve me beer. And they're just like, OK, like. You know, so so that that didn't really make sense to me either. That like the idea here is that they were brainwashed. It's not the Barbies rebrainwashing them into wanting to be in power. It's that they were brainwashed by the Kens. And so you know, I think there was a, there was an interesting layer there that like actually the Barbies seemed to be enjoying themselves when the Kens were in charge. Yeah. That's that is interesting. Yeah, you've given me a bit to think about. So like the for this to be like an anti-feminist, like secret anti-feminist allegory, it has to be very deep cover. 
Right. I mean, because it's like, <laughs> if you're watching the film, if you are just watching the film, it looks like a woman's studies. Now, maybe like this would require, this is not like, you know, it's like a Straussian reading has, usually has to be like sort of close to like what the surface thing is. It's not like, oh, a woman's studies class, but it's actually fascism. Like it's usually not like that extreme. Right. And like for people who haven't seen the movie, people are going to watch, like, trust me, they beat you over the head with it. Like Ken goes to the middle of patriarchy. They keep talking about patriarchy. Like the women go give speeches that are like, I mean, it's really, really beating into your head. And it's not like they're then proving wrong or something. I mean, it's like, it's like, obviously you're supposed to clap and think that, you know, that, that they're being correct. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I tend to think you can find these things that are like sort of inconsistent. I think that, you know, the trying to live in the patriarchy, I think is a good point. I just think these sort of like liberal principles, like, you know, they, they, uh, they are, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're in conflict with one another, like, you know, go out and make yourself, like, don't have, like, you know, don't be in a fantasy world, but at the same time, like, you should want the matriarchy, right? So, like, you know, she's going out of the world, and she's, you know, she's, and so, but that's how it has to end. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, you know, you can find, they you can find kind of like, there was that clash, right, of, like, you know, they, like, you know, again, it's just, ser- it's not, not a serious movie, but there was, like, a lot of contradictory points attempting to be made where like the very beginning of the movie, right? You see all the little girls playing with the babies, the little baby dolls, and then they smash them. And then you have like either the giant hundred foot tall, beautiful Barbie with the shiny legs and the perfect hair. And it's like the, the message here seems to be, you know, you shouldn't want to be a mother. You should want to be this, you know, whatever this plastic uh, emblem of, of like capitalist consumerism and that, you know, you, you don't have to be a mother. You can be anything you want. So that's like one aspect of it. And then later, um, the little girl, uh, the, you know, the, the, the daughter of that middle-aged mom or millennial mom or whatever, you know, she calls Barbie an emblem of fascism. And like you said, the feminist movement back 50 years. So the beginning of the movie, it's like Barbie's about to advance women, right? She's telling you, you know, throw off your chains, throw out, you know, smash your baby dolls and become like me. And then the little girl is saying, actually, you know, Barbie was bad for women. And then the, the mom delivers that Barbie speech about like, oh, you have to be pretty, but not too pretty. You gotta, you gotta get a job, but you can't be too ambitious and blah, blah, and on and on. And so it doesn't, it doesn't seem to have like a coherent message about like what Barbie is or what her, her purpose should be. It seems like ultimately what they want is like for Barbie to just like make women feel good, whatever their decisions happen to be. <laughs> Yeah, that's feminine. That's modern yeah. feminism. That's exactly yeah. what. It, that's exactly yeah, what it yeah. is. And but then the movie the end, didn't you know, want to just say that, right? No, they pretty much do say that the um, the the speech. Uh, well, well from, through uh, like three different, three or four different, like you know, contradictory yeah. uh, speech uh, from America Ferrera is exactly like that. You, 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 our normal Barbie, remember when she's like, you know, normal. make normal Barbie to the to Will Ferrell. And then but the thing like, is, like, if you had mom, normal Barbie. Then someone would say, "Oh, you're setting the feminist movement back because you're saying women shouldn't be ambitious." And you'd have abnormal right? Barbie. I mean, then you'd have abnormal Barbie. It's like, oh, you know, we're very. It's like, doesn't we matter. Everything is okay as long as it's woman. As long as it's yeah. as long as it's female, it's it's okay. Like it's just a it's a it's a therapeutic. You know, it's just this therapeutic ideology. So, so Richard, when I was uh, when I saw it in theaters on Sunday, at, like after that, like as soon as that speech was over, some girl in the audience shouted, "Like it's hard." Like, 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 you know, basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, and, and, uh, you know, which speech I, had the speech about the, I was, the I was sitting with my girlfriend, speech. but I, I really wanted to say something like maybe, maybe not that hard. Um, you know, but, but yeah, so 
Yeah, that, 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 that was, was, was interesting. Like, no one clapped or anything either. After America Ferrara's speech, uh, the Barbie yeah. speech, you know, some, so it, you know, sounded like a young woman or a teenager or something like, yeah, it's hard. Like, like, oh, you know, it's nice to hear someone say, you know, voice, you know, there's a, the, to express this opinion that I hold or uh, that we all hold. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so, so clearly that, 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 um, left a, you know, it, it remained with people, stuck with people. I, I tweeted something about it, about like how this is just an insight into the self-pitying mindset. And uh, it, got, it got some, you know, positive and negative reactions. But that was a very interesting speech, a very sort of unique glimpse into that yeah. sort of mindset. And it's of like, like medical- I just want you to tell me that whatever I do is okay. Just give me validation regardless of my choices. Yeah. And like the, the, the sort of so-called oppression that's coming from men. It, it, it's just like, it's social pressure. It's the very, it's the softest kind of, oppre- like men, uh, Ken could give a speech like that, you know, Ken is like actually oppressed, right? <laughs> um, and, you in know, Barbie Land, Ken is, a, he's subjugated. Yeah, All the Kens are, are yeah. oppressed in Barbie Land, yeah. Yeah, and so, and, and so you're, you're right. It's like, and like, so men could like, men could say there's pressure to do X, Y, Z, but men don't just sit around you know, crying about their problems. That's why I said a lot of men do a lot. Like a lot of guys do bitch about their problems, but like no yeah. one, you know, no one cares. No one cares. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, um, but the, uh, one thing I said that was like sort of a, a non-leftist sort of, uh, you know, a sort of more conservative message is like, there's no blank slateism in this movie and that men and women are actually different. Like they're different, but it's just yeah. like, we should have the justice means like submitting to whatever women are feeling at, at the moment. Even the, even the doll scene, it starts with like evolutionary psychology, like in cave, you know, caveman times, little girls are playing with dolls and dreaming of being mothers. Like that is like, that's, you know, that's interesting. Um, and then, yeah, it's like, well, why don't the men just like, why don't the men feel like the same social pressure to like do X, Y, and Z and like complain about it all the time? Well, it just seems like men and women are different. Uh, right. Like, and then, you know, the Ken's like Ken, the fact that he has like so much confidence, like for so little reason, someone asks him the time. He's like, yes, I, I respect him bad here. Right. Uh, you know, so the, the, it is like, it's, it's a very, it's a very yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a unique kind of feminism. It's 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 sort of uh, it's therapeutic more than political, even though it is it is political, but it's primarily therapeutic. And then it's also uh, non-blank slateness. It's also a, a difference uh, feminism. Um, and another th- one thing interesting is they have the fat Barbie. Now I don't get why the fat Barbie is like like because Barbies are it's like supposed to be in this plastic world. Like all Barbies are supposed to be attractive. Okay, why is there a fat girl there then? Why is there the the trans the trans Barbie? They uh, have representation. You, you have, they I mean, they have, have the representation, but they don't go like they don't have the guts to just make like half of them fat, like make them look like the American population, right? That would be so it, like, funny if they made a Barbie movie and all of the Barbies were that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great. That would have been great. Yeah, they don't do that. They have a few wheelchair Barbies. Uh, it's just like this little like these little token uh, representations, right? But like, it, it, but like that, like. That shows you it's not like it's that shows you that Barbie is already like a liberal icon, right? The fact that it has like trans and fat people and, and so on. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean the 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 Barbie um, like the scenes of of like Ken were interesting because when he you know so he goes into the real world and he like you know discovers this patriarchy, seeing images of. Sylvester Stallone and John Travolta and someone asks him the time. And so this, this get bolsters his confidence. And then he like tries to get a job and then he, Oh, you need to have a degree. You need to have an MBA or whatever. And, um, and then someone says like, Oh, we, I think someone tells Barbie, Oh, it's a patriarchy. We're just better at hiding it. 
And like, okay, but then like all of the evidence that the real world is a patriarchy is just like images from the 20th century. And then someone saying we're better at hiding it. And then the Mattel board is all male. But then if you look up the actual Mattel board, I think it's what five, like five out of the 11 board members are women. So, you know, like they had to like, you know, bend reality in the movie to show, oh, it's all male, the Mattel board. But then in real life, it's actually uh, almost half female. And so the whole like evidence of this, this place being a, a patriarchy was interesting. Like Ken being inspired by so little, right? Like even, so like being asked the time, seeing a handful of images and that's like enough for him to think like things could be different. Oh, he checks out some books from the, from the library, right? <laughs> someone, someone on Twitter, I saw say like, you know, they, 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 they like tried to do, a, I think, I guess they downloaded the movie illegally or something because they froze it. They're like, what books are they? They were trying to find Bronze Age mindset. They didn't find it. Um, would be interesting to see which books he actually checked out that uh, inspired him to, to start the uh, Barbie Land Revolution. Yeah, he read those books pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does he not read? He doesn't seem very bright. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, you're 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 right. I think like the the message. I think the the simplest thing is like you know Barbie. Like she goes out of the world, and people are like she's like I'm feeling this. You know, undercurrents. Here's how the the Barbie is like supposed to be like an airhead and not know anything, but then she like knows like all these like feminist talking points. Uh, like under you know these undercurrents of violence, like in these men's tone. Ben Shapiro had a good point where where like they tell her she's a fascist, and then she says something like, "I'm not, a, I'm a fascist. I don't make the trades run on time." It's like, wait a minute, how does she know what a fascist? There's a lot of inconsistencies <laughs> and things that don't make sense. Well, I do like how they were in uh, like somehow like the place they. Oh yeah, well because they're going to LA to Mattel headquarters, but they're um, I think they're in Venice Beach, which um, at least last I saw it was in really bad shape. And like the only like the people who like give Barbie that uncomfortable feeling of danger are like, you know, frat boys from USC playing volleyball, like just, you know, good looking 22 year old white guys with six pack abs who look kind of like Ken. And those are the guy, you know, I guess there's that one scene with the construction workers at the end, but like they're all sitting down. Right. Like they're not even like working. They're just like sitting on their you know the, the lunch break or whatever. But like who's giving her this fear? Because like the real L.A., you know, like there's no junkies or vandals or gangbangers or like, <laughs> I want to see like, how would, how would the Barbie react in the real LA? Not this like sanitized Barbie land version of it of like, oh, I see a bunch of like handsome frat guys and they're making me feel afraid. I mean, that was kind of a, uh, you know, they, they, like the, the movie isn't willing to show like what actually gives women fear, right? Like most normal American women, when they see like handsome dudes playing volleyball, aren't struck with this feeling of like anxiety, but they would feel that if like, you know, some, some scarier looking yeah. guys. Well, were, the, whole, the whole lack of treatment them. of race is very interesting because the Mattel board is, does the real Mattel board have any black, a black men on it? Because uh, <laughs> it has two black, black men. What was it two? Oh, nice. Yeah, there were two. Yeah, why would they do that? So, so why did Mattel not like in the movie? They could have made the Mattel board all white men, right? To to like make the point extra clear that like, oh, things are really bad. Yeah, Um, and yeah, because it was. I guess it's it's just two. Just it's the same reason. I guess they don't. uh, They don't make like the trans thing is like you know they have the the gym, you know, gynecologist. I mean, it's just like they forgot about trans in the movie too, and then they did, and they just like yeah, the the world is just not. Race doesn't exist in this world. It's complete colorblindness. I think it's just, I think it's just lazy. I think they can only just do one thing at a time. So like, you know, they have the Asian guy who's like the number two kid. And you know, they have these like random, like people of different races, uh, different places. There were a couple Um, of black Kens too. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And then, and then they, and then they call, uh, and then the teenage girl who calls, I mean, this teenage girl was like, you know, it's like maybe think of Zach Goldberg, like miserable young women with mental illness. I mean, it's like, you can see just like the misery, 
of uh, I like what her dad would uh, uh, what does he say that yes we can say yeah she's like dad that's appropriation I don't think you're supposed to laugh at her I think you're supposed to laugh at the dad and say actually it is a, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's mocking the the young girl I do think it's um, I do think it's supposed to be genuine like a genuine expression of like something we should all think yeah I mean it's um, you know you yeah you have to I mean you just have to work hard you just really have to uh, you just have to sort of work hard. Uh, but I, what I said, what I said was like, yeah, it's blackpilling. Uh, you know, it made me think like feminism was like an easy opponent because it's, you know, they, they're addicted to being blackpilled, right? They're addicted to the idea. They want to imagine um, a teleport is a hundred percent male. They want to imagine like everything is stacked against them. There's no, um, there's no sense of like, uh, you know, here's what we're going to do, or here's going to be like the political program. There's, there's none of it. Right. It, like, it's, it's just like, you know, like what was wrong with Mattel introducing Dr. Barbie and telling them they could be whatever they want to be. Like, why did that fail? Like, why is that supposed to be just like another evidence of them? Like being bad, like what did they want? Them? What were they supposed to tell little girls in the 1960s and 1970s? Like there's no answer to these things. It's just completely, you know, regardless of like what, what Barbie looked like or her, like there would have been a reason to complain, right? Like no matter what you did, um, you know, you're either setting unrealistic expectations. So if, if Barbie's too accomplished, you're setting unrealistic expectations. If Barbie's just an ordinary woman or a housewife or something, you're, you're lowering the bar or you're, you're uh, demoralizing women or you're not showing them what they could be. And so I think like, yeah, kind of either, either way, there's no, um, you know, there's there's going to be a reason to to be upset about this, uh, about about how Barbie is. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, like I think, like in a way, the Barbie movie was an accomplishment in that, like, it did get a lot of people talking. It got it did very well at the box office. It was probably more entertaining than I expected. I think, like, in part because Ryan Gosling um, did a good job as as Ken, and like, you know, I, I just rem- I remember like like so much of the these kinds of movies of like, oh, let's let's make a movie out of this character or this you know existing IP of this board game of this character. Like most of them are horrible. Right. Like they're sort of like cheap throwaway, like, oh, we're going to coast on the name alone. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know, something like like Captain Marvel or something or like one of these kind of, you know, it just. Yeah, I think the Barbie movie, it did have some layers. And the fact that it got a lot of people talking in a way it was it was like a success. And I, you know, I'd never watch it again, but I, I didn't actually regret watching it. I did find it interesting. Yeah. Oh, I didn't regret watching it either. I got to have this conversation with you with a nice, nice book review um, and understand something about the culture. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't think it was, uh, you know, I think it was, you know, I thought it was a little bit entertaining at the beginning when it was like, I thought there was a little more mystery to it. It eventually became just like, you know, when you get to the scene, like, you know, it's just, you know, the, the, no, I, you know, I think the, the writing and, and the plot, the character, but it's all, la- it's lazy. Like, you know, she, I don't know. Uh, it's, well, I, I think like overtly, yes, it's lazy, but there are ways to read it that make it more interesting. You know, like even the fact that like when, when the Barbie gets back and, the, and Ken installs the canocracy, like the only people resisting it is like weird Barbie and, um, and Michael Sarah's character, the like, I don't know, whatever the sort of, um, discontinued Ken, right? Like, so you have this like androgynous male and you have this like, whatever, like mentally unwell woman. Like, these are the two people who are resisting <laughs> the canocracy, but all of the normal Barbies, all of the normal female, whatever, like they they actually enjoy, uh, the, like Ken's newly installed patriarchy. It's just the, um, 
and androgynous guy and the mentally unwell woman who are who are still resisting, you know, leading the resistance and uh, and help to deprogram all of these poor women. This makes sense from an anti-feminist perspective, but I think the feminism is like, it's so self-evident to like modern feminism that like, it's so bad. Like it's bad to like be a housewife or to live for men or something that like, they, it, even if you say like they're happier, like it's like, it's like, it's like to you, how you would feel if like you were lobotomized and, and you became happy. Like that, that's how I think they look at it. So it's like, even though those people are unhappy, they're still like the only ones who have any, you know, dignity or like reason for existence. I, I think that's sort of, I think that's what's sort of going on here. Well, I think like that's how you're supposed to look at it, but I don't think like, yeah, no, you can yeah, look yeah, at I it your way. Yeah, I have, yeah, I have, and I have my own, yeah. like I have my own, I have my own anti-feminist interpreter. Yeah, exactly. That it's like, that's actually they're yeah, they're all weird and <laughs> ugly and they have no vision of positive vision of like, you know, what humans should be, what men should be, what women should be besides sort of just do what you want. And like, you know, you can't, like, I, I feel like the, the, the tone in the, uh, the movie is just like, so, um, it's so like, um, uncomfortable with like a heterosexual, like you don't see any heterosexual relation or homosexual relationships for that matter, but any kind of romantic relationships The the guy, uh, the, uh, Gloria's husband is just, he's, you know, he's just far away. He doesn't do any, he appears in a few scenes. Uh, Kenneth Barbie, they don't have romance. Barbie doesn't have any other romantic interests. Uh, what is men and women? Men is men just like occasionally hit on women and make them feel uncomfortable and violated. And that's it. That's the only like relationship between men and women in the real world. I mean, it's a very, very, you know, it's a very sad, it's a very sad worldview. It's, I think it's like a, you know, I think it's like not a very strong world. I don't think it has like a lot of appeal. Like I saw Michelle. Romance, right? Like, like Ken and Barbie, like again, like 10 or 15 years ago, like Ken and Barbie would have ended up together. Like it would have been a a more typical. Or or the, well, actually there is a little bit of romance when when the, only when the Kens take over. And then, like, but it's like it's like that what we just talked about. It's like all of us, you know, all these women who are, you know, just brainwashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where the guys mansplaining the Godfather, and they're having a little movie night. Of like, yeah, that's you know, um, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, but you don't see anyone kiss for like you know when Ken like reaches out with his you know his lips puckered and Ken, Barbie's just like staring at him saying like you need to leave no one yeah there's, it's very it's weird like on the one hand there's so many like there's overt like sexual innuendo. You know, like, like, you know, Shapiro complained about, oh, I'm going to beat you off like that, that scene. And then like the scene about like, oh, I have like a, a fleshy lump under my pants or whatever, like the making jokes like that. Um, and then, yeah, like the gynecologist thing at the end. So there's those kind of innuendos and stuff or suggestions. Um, but then, you know, there's actually like, there's no actual romance. There's a lot of sex jokes, but no romance, which I think is actually kind of uh, indicative of the times, right? Of uh, like, yeah, there's been this sort of evacuation of romance, but there's like a ton of like explicit sexuality and promiscuity and like like the, the, the pornification of everything. But in terms of like actual, like vulnerable, like the vulnerability that romance requires doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, it's perfect for like modern liberalism, right? It's like obsessed with sex, but also sexless, right? Like people like obsessed with their gender identities and not actually having relationships and getting sex. Yeah, I, I just I I came away like not like Ben Shapiro, like because I don't you know, I think like angry because I think that like you know little girls want to see it for the for the pink, and I do believe in like sort of markets and human nature. That like okay, this was a success. Michelle Goldberg basically wrote an article in the New York Times. Um, that said that like you know this is like proof that people like there's a market out there for women's stories like no it's just the 
Mattel IP plus like the promotional tour. And I watched the trailer and I, wa- I went back to see the trailer and the trailer doesn't have a hint of this stuff. It just looks like a 1990s movie. It doesn't say patriarchy. It doesn't have any sexism. You almost think like uh, Ken is going to be like the protagonist and he's like the good guy or something. So it's, it's, I think it's a bit of a baited, baited switch. Um, and, and so like, you know, I, I don't think this like actually like, like, I think this stuff does influence culture, like, a little bit, obviously. Um, I think it does. But I think it's just so ugly and so terrible that there, like, that there is just a limit to, like, the damage, like, a movie like this can do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, I, I thought the movie was, a, like, in the beginning, I was actually interested in it. And I thought it was going to go in a completely different direction when, uh, you know, like, I thought it was going to be like actually something like what Michelle Goldberg was suggesting maybe about like women's story, but in a, you know, but set in Barbie world or whatever, because it does like initially follow that kind of like Joseph Campbell hero's journey trajectory of like, you know, everything's great in my world and then something happens and it's causing me to like exit and, and like solve this problem. And so she goes in her little Barbie cruiser and like goes to the real world. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be interesting. Like Barbie in the real world or whatever. And then it just turns like from there, it turns into this sort of silly, like, yeah, like therapeutic, political, trying to make a statement. And there's a lot of sort of contradictory points being made. And I mean, it held my interest and held my attention, but uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of not what I expected. Um, but yeah, there, you know, I, I ended up having a, having a good time in a, in a weird way, sort of appreciating it on a, on an intellectual level. I mean, even when they were like, like handing out the, uh, I just think like there's so much in this movie that like you can read from multiple perspectives, like when they hand out the prizes, right. About like, you know, well, there's that one scene of like the Barbie shouting, like, you know, yes, I, I have emotions and yes, I have thoughts, but it doesn't hold me back. Like it makes me stronger because of it. And then there's the scene where like one of the, you know, the, all the Barbies win the Nobel prizes. One Barbie wins a Nobel prize in journalism. Another Barbie wins a Nobel prize in literature. And those are all the Nobel prizes. Like you don't hear any Barbie winning a Nobel prize in physics or economics or any of the sciences. Yeah. It's just, just word cell, word cell stuff. Right. Um, and I'm like, was that intentional or was that like, is that a woman's dream of like, no, oh, a woman no, who wants no, to win the Nobel prize? Of, they don't even, they don't even think of science. <laughs> you know, that's why I think it's like, so you, you're seeing this stuff where it's like, it doesn't even occur to them because like to them, like, like you know, the possibility. Science is boring. Math is hard. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. The, uh, you know, I think that like one reason you can like read it this way is that like the, the like any movie with men and women that tries to say something about sex is going to be like so complicated because this is like such a complicated thing that like you're going to be able to interpret it in like a lot of ways. So it's like you know you want to tell like a story about racism, like it's there's no way to do it where it's like you know there's a way to do it where it's like just easy black and white like this innocent black man is talking to reminding his business and this evil white person comes and does something to them men and women like and people have such strong scripts of like how men and women are different and how they interact with each other and like what their roles are that like you know it's like every like you know every like microsecond of like every interaction is potentially open to explanation, right? So I think it's like open to interpretation. So I think that's like why you can like have this movie, which I think again is like just like a women's study seemar, but like can be interpreted in uh, in a hundred different ways, uh, just because like that's the nature of like male and female. And yeah, like, you know, everyone brings their own biases and their own wishes and desires and all of that. They sort of project it on. And, you know, I, you know, in a way I was trying to find that myself, like what you said about like, I'm going to try to find something in this movie that's salvageable 
And like, I, I know, you know, I know that Greta Gerwig or whatever, like, I know they didn't like <laughs> the message is that like women secretly want a patriarchy. I know that's not what they want, but like, I'm like, you know, I'll impose this. I think it's an interesting, uh, alternative, yeah. um, well, way to look at this. Some people told me check out Greta Gerwig's other work. I have not seen any of her other work. So like, you know, maybe that would change my interpretation. I don't know. Have you seen anything? I don't, like even, what is, I don't know what else she's done. No. It looks like I'm looking at the, uh, Helen Andrews piece, uh, Lola versus Francis Ha. Mistress America. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, the uh, yeah. Oh, no, she's just she starred in these movies. It looks like she was. She's an actress too. Let's see. Uh, Greta Gerwig. Uh, let's see. Old Greta Gerwig and all of the Barbie. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not stopping. Okay, Lady uh, Bird. Wait, no she, wait she's a daughter. Her, wait, her mom is an OBGYN. That's funny. <laughs> oh, maybe the whole thing was That's an funny. advertisement to women to go. <laughs> yeah, check your gynecologist. <laughs> That's uh, funny. So uh, nights and weekends, Lady Bird, Little Women, Barbie. Right yeah, on. I haven't seen any Snow stuff. White. Is this the woke Snow White with the? Uh, like, she's a she's a yeah she's a writer for that Snow White movie. Oh my goodness, they're they're just gonna give her everything that's everything meant to be. She's gonna give her every IP of everything, every woman oh, thing. Gal Gadot is the evil queen. That's interesting. So they're gonna. Have you have... seen the? Uh, oh, the, yeah. The, it's uh, the, people have been talking about this on Twitter. Have you seen the clips where like the actress is like, oh, we're gonna overthrow the you know 1935s version? Like it's just explicitly like feminist interpretation. I'm sure right wingers will be able to say like this Snow White is actually also. So, like secretly a right wing movie. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I'll do my best to uh, to support that <laughs> to find a to find a right wing uh, interpretation of it. You know, to do a like Francis a deconstruction. Ha. Francis Ha. So what is that about? That's is a Francis Holiday is a twenty seven year old dancer. Anyways, that's another movie. Okay. Um, the uh, okay. So that's what we said about Barbie. You have any uh, comments? Um, I mean, I, I wrote a little bit about the Barbie uh, up at Hyper. I, you know, I don't think they necessarily belong together. They just happen to be released on the same day. Um, but, you know, there is some things we can say about, like, male and female, what they consider great art. Yes, um, my, uh, yeah. I have, like, a sort of, like, this must be, like, maybe implicit sexism, but, like, in a way, I almost, I almost kind of feel bad for Christopher Nolan that, that his movie, came, like, happened to have come out at the same time Barbie did, because he probably was not imagining like that these two movies would become sort of intertwined in the cultural imagination when he was working on that movie, right? Like making Oppenheimer must've, you know, that, that was probably years in the making, like hours of stress and work and everything. And then it comes out with this movie, which probably didn't take quite as much energy. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think producers are that. I mean, I think the movie studios know what they're doing. I assume they knew, like at they some point they knew audiences. Money. Yeah, but I'd like well, to take like the, a, there was a synergy. Maybe they thought like people are just going to the, I, I, I think it worked. I think Oppenheimer is probably bigger than it would have been. I mean, people. Oh, you like, think so? You know, so you think that you, like the counterfactual for Barbie had not been released? I haven't been to the movies in, in years. The only one I went because I have young kids, and so it's hard to get there. So I was uh, the one. I, I only been to one movie since the pandemic. Uh, you know, since 2019, really. I've only been to one movie theater. Um, I saw Puss and Boots. I tried to take my son when he was like two or three, and, and he wasn't. He, he couldn't do it. Um, and so that's it. So, and then I saw two movies this week. I saw both Barbie and Oppenheimer, just because the conversation was Barbie and Oppenheimer. So it actually, right. might Oppenheimer. I mean, Oppenheimer was. Um, you know, the movies are sort of on the downward slope. So it was like it was sort of a synergy between them, and they, people were talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer. It might have helped both of them. 
Yeah, I mean, do, do you think it helped one more than the? Uh, yeah, may, maybe, maybe you're. Well, I, I, I think Barbie, Barbie, Barbie was going to be huge no matter what. Yeah, I think Barbie was going to be. You're overestimating how popular Oppenheimer like would be on its own because like people are you know it's just like the size. Oh, really? Well, maybe, maybe that's possible. I do like I do really enjoy Christopher Nolan's movie. Like that, the one movie I saw during the pandemic was Tenet. Um, and I saw it like basically the day it came out and that was like back when they were doing the weird social distancing in the theaters and you had to like pull your mask down to eat popcorn and put it back up. Like I, but I went out and saw that I actually didn't enjoy Tenet very much. So yeah, I am, I'm, I'm like, a um, generally an admirer of Christopher Nolan's movies. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think like, it's just, it just seems like, cause Oppenheimer is such a serious movie. And then like with Barbie next to it, which I mean, again, like I enjoyed Barbie more than I expected. Uh, but, but yeah, that have those two movies be like, like Barbenheimer, like the whole thing. It's, it's cute, but, um, if they wanted, I mean, if they wanted to change it, you know, like a month earlier, or like it was, you know, six months, they they could have delayed it. They could have changed it. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It was the same day. uh, Yeah. Same day release. Well, were they, they weren't released on the same day, were they? Yeah, they were. They were both oh, July twenty first. Oh, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe there was maybe that was time to that. I didn't realize it was the same day. Maybe maybe in, in that case, like yeah. They, I mean, getting to the, the theater makes you likely to yeah. The, the getting to the theater yeah makes you just likely to want to get to the theater again just to see stuff. I mean, they they try to give you usually they try to get your rewards card. Yeah, they try to give you rewards. Well, usually they they do like they usually don't want like competition though. Like I don't know like how how it actually works, but at least from my, my understanding of like studios and like publishers and everyone like they don't like competition. And so if they have a big launch, they don't want any like competitors. I think next movies, to it. But I think movies have been really hurting since the pandemic. And I think that maybe they just like, we got to get people to the theaters and having this barbecue. People have been calling this summer a, a, a flop buster summer because there haven't been any good movies except these two and the mission impossible movie, which apparently underperformed. I'm going to go see it this weekend, but apparently that movie underperformed expectations. But like, yeah, it's been kind of a slow movie summer. Um, no, yeah, there's no, there's no like big Marvel movies coming out. I hope we're past that time. Actually, I'm. Uh, well, that's pretty, the hope you know. of Barbenheimer. That's the hope of Barbenheimer. It's a whole narrative. Who knows if they're that sophisticated? But I saw people on Twitter uh, being like, "Oh, maybe we're over the, uh, we're over superhero. the superhero." Yeah. yeah, that would be nice. Actually, you have two in that original. case. If if it does like supplant the Marvel thing and like we we have like a usher in a new era of movies, then then I support the Barbenheimer movement. All the way, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah no more superheroes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, it was good. It was actually good to be in that. I mean, it was good to be in the theater. I want to go do it. Yeah, I think I want to do it more often. So it worked on the Barbie. The Barbie campaign did work on me. Um, and hopefully, yeah, there are future movies that like the entire country watches at the same time, and like me and you could talk about it, be part of the conversation. I think that's like it's good for the culture. And that's actually another reason I wanted to like Barbie because I wanted it to be like actually more sophisticated, more entertaining. Um, but whatever, maybe it's gonna maybe it's gonna do the job anyway. We still have we still have Robert Oppenheimer, <laughs> Robert Oppenheimer, uh, to inspire us. Uh, anything else, Rob, that that we missed or you want to talk about? Uh, no, no, I think we we covered a lot of ground for for both movies. Okay. Until next time. See ya.